work minute. I must say it as I was setting up my computer and, and failing at doing the audio and microphone properly. But um, our guest will not throw me under the bus on this one because he's a good man. I'm thrilled to be back, man. I've missed it. I've missed connecting with people. I've missed um, seeing what the game of basketball can do and how it can connect people globally and how you get the opportunity to meet really great humans. And we have another one with us today. This gentleman is a self-described storyteller, all right, um, in branding with athletes and photography documentaries, uh, is a huge hoop head and still um, claims that he plays. You know, I haven't seen any highlights on Instagram yet, but uh, a Denver native and a proud Oregon duck as well. Um, a guy who has just been able to use his skill set through learning the game of basketball and channel that into a career. And he's got a very dope story. And we're thrilled to have Mr. Jack Jensen with us today. How are you, sir? Appreciate it. Amazing intro. Uh, just to kick it off, I do play quite a bit still. <laughs> Get out. Uh and uh, much to the chagrin of my wife, not as much as, as used to, but I uh, still get out a few times a week with the guys. And how's the body reacting? Is it still pretty good? Do you take care of yourself? Are you a yoga stretching guy? Do you do the right thing so you can perform a little bit? Or are you a quick warm up, quick cool down guy? Big stretch guy, uh, big anything uh, to get me playing longer uh, guy. I would say that I use a lot of source material, uh, to show that same wife. Uh, I saw LeBron spends about a million dollars on his body. So I use those kind of facts to try to justify any needed, uh, purchase, whether that be from hyper ice or, uh, uh, any, you know, nutrition, Organic anything, strawberries. Yes, yes, of course, still waiting for, uh, still waiting for the 10 day call, um, from Mr. <laughs> Silver, but we'll see. Hey, it might've passed me by now. <laughs> What's the scouting report on you? If, if, if you were going up against a team, what are they saying? Is it like force him left, right? He's a, you know, he's a streaky shooter, but can attack. Like what's, what's the scouting report saying on how to guard you? Uh, pre pandemic, uh, in my, you know, in <laughs> my twenties differently than, uh, uh, just hit my mid thirties. Uh, right now I think it's uh, I'm dishing, I'm shooting some threes. I'm trying to not get injured. Had a, uh, a uh, ACL tear a few years ago in a game. And, uh, it's just kind of been, you know, yeah, a, uh, a journey since then. So my desire to get hurt, uh, not as high anymore, but used to be quite a big, uh, slasher in general, yeah. started as a shooter, grew really late in high school, and then just kind of really built a lot of my game, honestly, through college and afterwards. Uh, and, uh, you know, like to score, like to, like to dish, I, you know, I just enjoy playing the game. And now we have a good group of, uh, of guys around Los Angeles that we play. And it's, you know, basketball to me is a, a, a is always a sanctuary and it's a safe, fun place for me. So I, you know, I just love to play and, 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 uh, you know, these days don't need to get up as many shots as I used to. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. As you get older into the kind of the men's stuff, it's one, the cardio to the camaraderie, you know, and then, yeah. yeah, you want to compete and stuff, but like, just as long as you're around some good dudes and having a good time in the competition is no, no one's going crazy, throwing elbows or anything, you know, it can get intense here and there, but all in all, you know, as long as it's good by the end of the end of the run, then that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I try to surround myself with like a, a decent skill level of other guys. I've noticed as guys get older uh, and slower, the fouls become a little harder Yeah, and, uh, and a little you know, later, so, yeah. yeah, a little later, the arguing, <laughs> this is where they kind of get out their frustration. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's funny at Los Angeles is, uh, it's, there's just leagues everywhere and everyone kind of plays. It, it, it's very much, uh, certainly within, uh, entertainment, sports industry, marketing, basketball is, is kind of a, a golf out here for people. And 
a ton of different runs, uh, leagues, uh, and gyms throughout. So um, it's fun. There's always kind of a a skill level you can you know jump into. Cool. Well, good for you, man. That's awesome that you're still getting up and yeah. down. Now let's get right into it, man. Tell tell the people about yourself, um, where you grew up, kind of. Uh, you touched on a little bit about the game being part of you at a young age, but how did that come around? Was there coaches, mentors? Was it a youth league? But um, why did basketball become important for you? Yeah, so I'm a writer, director, and co-founder of a, uh, a creative and production agency called The Rec League. Uh, we're out of Los Angeles, and um, we work focusing mainly within the sports, sports, uh, you know, lifestyle culture Um space for brands, athletes, directly artists, um, that want to kind of make authentic, uh, creative, you know, work for an audience that really demands authenticity. Um, I, I started, uh, so I went, I guess, taking it all the way back to just basketball in general. I grew up in the Midwest in Dayton, Ohio, Chicago for a long time, primarily during the, uh, 96, 98 Jordan years in Chicago. So that, already really, you know, big into basketball as a kid, but I think that kind of cemented, um, just like a, a really big love for it. The Dayton Flyers are really big when I was growing up there. That's where my family is from. Um, Cubs and then sucks. It, uh, Cubs, but Atta then boy. I, yeah, but then I moved to Denver and I'm, I've, uh, I'm all, sold I'm out. all Denver guy. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Where the taxes were being paid. Come on, man. Cubbies though. I got to make it back to Wrigley this summer. I'm a big Cubs guy. So Okay. I felt like some- I didn't earn it. I was, I was rooting for them to do it, but I I've seen the parades from a uh, Cubs faithful. I watched, uh, I've somehow have uh, stumbled into about a hundred friends from Philly for some reason. So when they won, uh, the Eagles won, I was, I remember sitting next to my wife and be like, I really, uh, I'm a little envious of like that parade, like exercising those demons. So, yeah. you know, I like the Broncos, but it's, it's basketball for me. So Denver we've, uh, it's, it's has been a ton, uh, you know, in the last like couple decades, but really good team now. So that's been fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I felt like I didn't earn the Cubs sure. uh, fanship to celebrate it as such. Okay. Uh, I respect but, it. Yeah. So then, uh, but, you know, grew up playing, moved to Denver. Um, I was, uh, I think a, an interesting part in my journey. I played a lot of AAU, uh, a lot of summer league stuff, but uh, in high school, I was actually, I, you know, my body didn't necessarily catch up to the same passion I had. So I was, I entered high school at like five foot, I think I was five, six, 115 as a junior. And then I grew to six, three, 180, like in, in four months or something. So it was, I got, I pretty, you know, I had a really good summer before my senior year. That's where I started to kind of talk to, um, a couple just D three coaches and, and, and a D two coach to kind of, uh, you know, Nothing really materialized onto that. I ended up uh, getting into my senior year. Uh, didn't have a great high school experience in general. Certainly mm-hmm. not with the coach. Didn't really see eye to eye. And the coach met a lot of great friends there. Uh, but then from high school, oddly, um, a friend on the team had made a couple of us join the track team with him after senior year basketball got out. So I was obsessed with basketball. All I wanted to do was go play basketball. I would have gone to Southern Maine to do it. I looked everywhere uh, to play. And then a, a good friend, uh, John and, and Dwight were joining the, uh, the track team. They told me to come out again. I can't impress upon like how all of my athleticism and size caught up in like a six month span. And so I was, you know, I was the last person on the uh, team to be able to touch the rim. And then it just kind of, you know, springed up from there. So 
What was that grocery in- bill like when you went through that grocery? You must have been just eating and sleeping like a friggin' animal, like a bear in the winter. It was, uh, yeah, oddly, like I never, it, it wasn't too bad. I never got the shin splints, never, you know, yeah. I have I have a brother who's obsessed with basketball and sister, so the grocery bill is always pretty high growing up. But <laughs> it, uh, yeah, we, we jumped into track, and then from that, honestly, my life kind of completely changed from that, started learned how to high jump, you know, I was starting to dunk regularly more out there and then high jump became a thing. And instead of going to play D three basketball, ended up, uh, having a coach who was friends with the coach at the university of Oregon track team, which at the time I didn't know one thing about track. I didn't know Oregon was like this track Mecca. I didn't know anything about it, but I was really interested in writing about basketball and becoming a sports writer. And so I kind of looked at Oregon, talked to the coach, thought it'd be an interesting thing to try as I, you know, at that point, I think the realization that the NBA was not going to call, um, after I averaged about 10 points in high school was, uh, <laughs> was clear. I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. Went up there, uh, to Oregon. And then, yeah, ended up being on the track team there for a few years. Um, was the top high jumper there my sophomore year. We won a, a pack 10 title and then, uh, and then, yeah, that was fun. So. And then, and then went to, yeah, then my basketball actually caught up a lot too. And went and, uh, tried to walk on on the basketball team, ran with them a couple practices, but, uh, didn't end up making that team. And then, uh, and then just started writing and, and going to school at Oregon. Um, and then, yeah, moved out to LA, uh, pretty quickly thereafter. So why did you decide to join the track team was just cause your buddies and you're like, sure, I'll just, I'll try to jump over this thing and hang out with my buddies a little bit. And you know, it's, it's I, I always find it when you connect with people and you hear stories, it's always some, some sort of weird thing that, you know, help them leap to a next, an extra thing. Right. So I, that's, I don't know. It's just that you're uh, it, honestly yeah. like, I, yeah, I was really good friends with these two guys. They wanted yeah. to do it. I, uh, I loathed running. Like Teenage I love boys. activity. Yeah. And yeah. I, I played every sport growing up, but just like the idea of running in a circle to me sounded <laughs> so absurd and to do it like before my senior year as like a punishment, I was like, I did not understand why he would want to do this. But, uh, the, my my uncle had high jumped in college and long okay. jumped a little bit in college yeah, at, at uh, Miami, Ohio. And so it was, you know, and the, the, the coach was amazing. This guy, Brian Kula, um, got me into uh, this Oregon track program. He was running this, this uh, high school team in Colorado. And he just said, go up and try to reverse dunk it. It's the same motion. You're jumping off your left foot. You're, right, you're raising your right knee and you're raising your right arm and you're just turning your body. And it just kind of clicked. Uh, and so I really That's never, awesome, I mean, man. Yeah, I technically never became like a very technically proficient high jumper, but it was so natural to a dunk motion or just a reverse lay in motion. Mm -hmm. Um, So that to, you know, to uh, to college was just about strengthening and adding um, onto that jump. And Oregon kind of taught me how to do it. But it was it was interesting because I went to there, you know, I'll never forget going into Oregon and uh, you had we had a meeting with everybody. I mean, this this is like a stacked team. And like, I can't impress upon you enough, like how little I knew about track and field it's walking into Duke basketball. That was like walking into the room yeah. for, for the track world. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at a, a table, there's probably 65 guys on the team, 65 girls on the team, and everyone has to stand up and, you know, say their accolades. And, you know, I, I think I found this like little group at my table of one of became, you know, one of the guys became best man at my wedding. Uh, and, he stood up. He's like, you know, I'm a state long jump champion. I got this record, that record. Five people that stood up and said they were Olympians. And I was like, hey, I'm Jack, I, I'm a high jumper. Uh, I averaged 14 points in AAU this summer playing basketball. Excited to be here. 
And uh, so, <laughs> and I can reverse dunk. Yeah, that got a, that got a laugh, the excited to be here part. And uh, from there, yeah, just kind of started this learning journey. But it was the, you mentioned the camaraderie, I think just mm-hmm. what sports does in general and, and fostering that uh, discipline to continue. I love practice. I love getting out there and competing. Like mm-hmm. um, I love the pressure of it. And, uh, and then just the camaraderie of like that schedule every day and getting to see those people and build something together. And um, that's always been uh, really interesting. And track was kind of this oddball thing where you're competing individually, but very much like as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was cool. And it, I think just exercised like the demon my whole life of like wanting to be a D one athlete and it seemingly seeping out of my hands from a basketball perspective. So it got to fulfill that dream and then ultimately led me right back into, into basketball anyways. So if you're a basketball player out there in the lower mainland, or uh, BC in general, and you're looking for somewhere to play, we have a proud sponsor, and that is PGC Hoops. You can find them at pgchoops.ca. And the thing that makes them unique and that we're proud to sponsor them and them be a sponsor of us is it's a true nonprofit basketball organization found in the east side of Vancouver. The mission is cost-effective elite basketball for all. Find the website, take a look, register your kids, register yourself, look for the programs. And if you have any questions, reach out to me and we can contact you with the right people. This is a good program for the right reasons. We appreciate you, PGC Basketball. What was it like transitioning to an individual sport, right? Like, because basketball, one of the best parts is, you know, you got your buddies, you got the team, you know, and, and, it's interesting that you reflect on that and being aware of, well, there are these other people around me, although it's individual, they're still here and yeah. we're training and we're supporting. So you, so you felt that, Hey, it wasn't, didn't feel like, I mean, you're also, you're at Oregon. You're not, you're not the only high jump. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, yeah. this is a big program, right? So definitely. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of fanfare, like they would, mm-hmm. they pack the stadium and it's like where Steve Prefontaine really for track. ran like, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, crazy, it was, eh? it is a very knowledgeable city for track. Uh, Eugene is track town. That's, you know, they now have pulled mm-hmm. the Olympic trials USA is like, it's, it's a, uh, a really knowledgeable fan base, but I think that they did a really good job at, uh, instilling that your marks might be individual, but the result of which is helping the team. And so you sure. need to hit your mark in order to, um, to get that team across the finish line. But it, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually kind of enjoyed it. And it, it set a lot of like uh, independence, I think, in my life that I needed to just being away from home anyways. And then, uh, you know, either you're hitting the bar off or you're not. It's resting on your shoulders. And it's a very mental sport. Like there's only yeah. two events in track and field where you're looking at your PR. You know, if I've never jumped seven foot and I'm looking at a bar that says seven foot, I'm thinking about that every step yeah, up to sure. the thing. If, you know, if I'm long jumping or I'm sprinting, I'm still going to get a mark. Yeah. But it's so you gotta, you gotta be very focused in that respect. Um, yeah. but yeah, cool. I, I haven't high jumped since then and don't plan on it uh, ever again. So <laughs> well, I mean, if you, you talked about keeping the body intact. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, Good that, reflection. I like that. It's, I've always, you know, I get intrigued, you know, reading the Agassi book and just individual sport books and seeing, seeing what those people go through. It is a total different mindset. Like you mentioned, even sprinting you still got people to your left and right that you're competing sure. against right and so it's like it's like no like you say just staring at this bar here all right let's give it a go yeah cool oh yeah um, oh yeah 
why the passion and desire to be a writer? And especially at a young age, you clearly recognized it young. What was it about there? Was there someone in your family or you just were a reader and writer from the get-go? Like how does one, you know, get, figure that out? Very, yeah, very creative family. Um, my dad was an artist uh, in, in school and coming out in the 70s, there wasn't a lot of jobs for that. So he ended up going into advertising sales. My mom's creative. My sister and brother are both in the creative industry now and are super creative. So I, cool. uh, I also have ADD as a kid, so I'm, I'm already kind of like bouncing off the walls mentally, creatively, and trying to figure out things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but a teacher had thrown me into the school paper a bit as like a punishment. I wasn't really focusing in class, not, you know, was it distracting other people, but I clearly was not able to focus myself. And mm-hmm. so she, uh, was like, you, you have to go write on the paper as part of it. And so I started to just kind of do that and learn and, and had a great high school teacher who just every time I'd see her in, in the hallway would say, you're really good at this. You're going to be good at this. And uh, I was gonna honestly, say, she must have it felt like a punch. She must have seen something in you, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This other lady was it was uh, that was I had no idea what I wanted to do outside of sports. There's no I just wanted to work in sports growing up. There was no like second plan to that. And not even necessarily playing because I, mm-hmm. I think I was aware. But uh it was, I wanted to be involved at, at, at some stage. I didn't know what that would entail, but maybe coaching, like I, you know, wasn't quite sure. I have a really good friend who's in basketball ops. Now we'd always talked about that growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she just uh, was really supportive. And, and, you know, whether she actually saw it or not, I think just that push to, to think I'm good. And then I started looking at journalism schools, University of Oregon had a great one. Uh, and, and that was, that's the best decision I've ever made in my life was to go there, uh, mm-hmm. was to go to Oregon and they had so much. And then I found from that, um, you know, obviously they, Nike was founded there, Columbia, they have a really, uh, storied sports background, not just on the athletics on campus, but like their alumni base is super, uh, interested in sports, marketing, entertainment, that entire world and invested in like there's a lot of pride up in the Pacific Northwest, as you know, in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I was like unaware of this growing up in Denver mm-hmm. and then the Midwest, but they're like fiercely protective of this place and excited about it. And it's like really, it was really cool to be up there and all this excitement about Oregon. So from that, I just kind of opened this interesting world through sports that I, and connection based. That was, uh, it was really cool off of the ducks, but yeah, it was, it was, I met my wife up there. It was like, Oregon was the, the absolute uh, best decision I ever made. Awesome, man. Yeah. And you know, it's, you're 17, 18 years old trying to figure out where do I want to go? What does I want to do? And you said, you know, I didn't, I don't know what, what I want to do, but tell the kids all the time is like, you're going to change so much. How are you supposed to know? You know what I mean? Between 17 and 21, two, three, like there's so much happening in your world. Like, yeah, I have a baseline idea, but don't put, don't put so much stress on yourself that you're supposed to know what your career is going to be and how, do you take the next step? You know, you finish the degree, the networking, obviously the writing. Um, I know a little bit already, so I'm excited. And I think it's so cool that you're not that old, but long ago, people like yourself, Aaron, you know, other people in the industry were already thinking of like culture, right? Like, you know, what I grew up, basketball was just basketball. There was no culture aspect to it in, in the like late eighties, you know, when MJ came around, he started to get a little bit of that when the shoes and stuff, but yep. then like the culture side of it with music and the platforms these athletes have now, um, super cool. And you, now you're, you know, your ADD brain gets to go from here to like, for sure, you know, you're right. And so cool, man. So 
how did you yeah, start was, to get to that first kind of career position and and um maybe just talk about what did you do during your time to network um or was it even a conscious thing while you were there yeah definitely i mean uh not to dive too deep into my senior year, please do. My, uh, my dad, yeah, got uh, diagnosed uh, with brain cancer, which then Damn. ended up uh, kind of. I just senior year in university, giant, sorry. Senior year, yeah. senior year okay. university. I uh, so I kind of took a giant step back on just what I wanted to do. I was, I was in this. Uh, my roommate at the time, um, this guy Brock Kirby, who's a fantastic. Uh, copywriter, creative director in advertising. He was in this ad track and he's like, Hey, you should look at this thing. You should join it. It's a great way to like take all of your creative skills and funnel it into this weird machine. And I'd taken a little step back from, from that at school and everything. And, um, and just trying to refocus on what I wanted to do as I was like ramping into graduation. And, you know, my two best friends had worked for the student paper at Oregon. And so we kind of utilized this. Uh, this was the first key that connections mean a lot in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my buddy Ryan Knudsen uh, was the editor in chief when we were sophomores. And my, you know, buddy from track, Andrew Greif was the sports editor. And uh, they knew, you know, I'd been writing, but I kind of moved into this advertising track. So they threw me a couple stories just so I'd have like writing clips as I was like trying to figure out again what I wanted to do. And then uh, I graduated and I sent every basketball publication, anybody that wrote about it at the time in 2009, 10, uh, just this message about like, I don't have anything to show for this. I didn't play college basketball, but I promise you, I know more about the game. I can articulate it as well as anybody. Give me a shot. I promise you I can hoop. I can do all of this stuff. And uh, you just have to like take my word for it. So it's a ridiculous statement for yeah. a 22 year old. And months later, this gentleman by the name of Aaron Phillips sees my note wow. response back to me. I think, he, yeah. And he just, he responded back and I'm like, what do you got? And I think I sent him 18 story pitches the next day. And then I wow. just talked, I ta I made a point to like bug Aaron every single day for like three straight years. And uh, he was like the kindest, you know, he mm -hmm. threw me so many uh, stories like advice. And I, you know, I talked to him last night. He's uh, always been, um, really instrumental in, in helping me and a, a really good friend and, and mentor in this. And from that, I met uh, this guy, Pat Cassidy, who started Dime, uh, formed a good relationship with him. This guy, Sean Sweeney, uh, became really good friends with him. He was, uh, he became editor when Aaron left. Um, I worked as a staff writer and kind of edited on the West Coast. And uh, that was at Dime Magazine. So that started, you know, this kind of three-year journey at Dime that got me in through every single door into every player room and email and, you know, uh, locker room in the country for any brand. It was insane. Like Dime Magazine at the time had a huge. print publication. Yeah. And a, a huge online publication. And uh, what it did more than anything is like it was a trusted name while while other blogs were starting to come up. So other blogs are starting to come up. The, uh, you know, these NBA media offices are starting to get inundated with off, you know, with more and more emails to try to get press passes and dime just kind of could do whatever they wanted could get anybody to, to get in the magazine. And so I just geeked out for years. I wasn't really getting paid at all. Uh, and I was just, I was, you know, at the time. So I, I, uh, not to jump around too much, but I started working from there and I was trying to get a job in advertising, creative advertising. Uh, you know what, not everybody might know, but, uh, these companies, Nike, uh, new balance, EA sports, often will have internal creative units within their company, but they often work with kind of these external creative agencies that help to 
kind of create the uh, creative, the ideas, the strategy around a lot of what we grew up on, you know, as some of the, the great sports marketing, those, you know, I, I grew up with these, you know, those Jordan ads being gospel to me. And it <laughs> felt like they spoke to me as a person who wanted to play basketball, whether I, I looked up to these athletes, or I wanted to be them. There's an authenticity and, and a soul to the game that I felt like they spoke to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to learn that that came from, you know, even Jordan's famous, like quote about missing all these shots is attributed to him. I was a copywriter in Oregon that wrote it probably. Yeah. So it's, that was like really interesting to me because it was taking this, uh, this idea and this lane in basketball. And I, and I threw dime too. I, you know, I worked for slam magazine for a little while, just doing contributing writing on some stories. That was awesome. And, and Adam Figman and those guys have a amazing thing going there. Casual uh, slam drop for the people. Casual slam great. drop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think I had, you know, I saved every slam from growing up. Oh uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. A little bit of surreal to see my name in there the first time. And that's dope. It, uh, but you know, I think, but there's a ceiling to being a, a sports writer. And I think there's a 1% of that, that jumps up above it and they are, they do well. Um, and advertising provided an interesting, uh, entry point into being able to write and do creative, but there's potentially room to move up as a career and, uh, and make maybe a little more money than I could have just, just writing game stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was a, so I started work, you know, I got an internship when I was living in, uh, in Portland at this place called 72 and sunny went down there and I was working at dime magazine and, uh, and 72 at the time, and then started working on sports campaigns that came in. So I worked on NBA 2k 11, NBA 2k 12, that really like kicked my career off. Then I did all the, uh, worked on all the LeBron James, Samsung, uh, campaigns and commercials. That was back when, uh, Bronny and Bryce were, you know, like five and nine, mm-hmm. super young. Um, that was an amazing, uh, experience like to work on that campaign. And then, you know, from that just kind of kept going, doing writing basketball on the side, going to games, uh, and then doing this, uh, you know, advertising thing is, is kind of the main, the main vehicle. And then that, uh, that turned into Nike basketball. I creative directed for the Nike basketball team uh, for RGA in LA for a couple of years. And then that ultimately just kind of, uh, I think showed me and a, and a couple of friends, like what was missing in the industry and what we wanted to create in a new company, which ultimately became, you know, the rec league. Okay. Pause them. Remember that because I want to ask what is missing Definitely. and what was missing, but how does one wrap their head around? I think you touched on so many great things. Like one for young people to be aware that, you might have to do some work that isn't going to bring in some income to build your resume and make some connections, right? Like I think sometimes we think we start a career and then the money comes in and it's like, well, usually at the bottom of the the salary pool anyways, but you touched on writing stories for basically, you know, geeking out and <laughs> for pretty much free, right? And so, but knowing that in the back of your mind, that could lead to other things. How are you able to be in an industry that seems like it's always constantly moving? Like, you know, when people leave a place and they go somewhere else, people go, oh, like they left. But it's like, it seems quite common hearing your story, Aaron's story about how people go from dime to here to there. How do you sort of maintain in your own brain a kind of a, I don't know if I'm making sense, like a calmer sort of thinking that I know that at any point I may have to just switch over to this and mm. be traveling here or, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's yeah, such I mean, a unique, I... it's such a unique thing. I think people see, think of a, a sports writer as like, I have my clipboard and I take some notes and I go make a story. I go to bed, I wake up, I, you know, and it's clearly yeah. not like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and it's a touch on to, you know, 
I, I definitely did work a lot for free growing up. I, I, I worked, uh, multiple jobs often, you know, I was long distance from my now wife at the time. And I was, if I wasn't working, I was meeting people by playing basketball and trying to do it. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, like, even though I was making no money and sleeping on floors, I was sleeping in my car, I had a safety net of sure. family if I had to call. And I think that's, you know, a part of the equation too, is that I was very gifted in that respect respect that, you know, if I had to, my parents were, were there. And I think that allowed me, uh, the ability to do that for free and not everybody yeah. gets that opportunity. And I know we, and that's something we take, you know, seriously here too, with interns and, and younger people is that, you know, what worked for me and my grind doesn't necessarily work for you. I just want to see passion and the, the ability to, to want to do this. And, and we can turn that passion into good work habits and into great stories but ultimately like everyone's going to come from, you know, a different background and perspective. And it's like, I, uh, I love what my story did for myself, but that's like only, you know, in my head that only works for, for me potentially. Um, mm -hmm. but I think in terms of the, you still did it though, like regardless, yeah. oh, of you, totally, totally. you had the privilege of knowing your family was there to support you. Some people would still be like, I'm good. You know, like I, I wrestle with that all the time too, taking a risk, something that maybe is not the financially the best move, but it could, could really help you in the end. Right. And so you still did it, you know, like it, yeah. it still happened. And it's, uh, that was kind of instilled too. Like my, my mom and dad were, uh, super, uh, strong and just like tough on their themselves. Like my, we moved all the time because my, uh, my dad would get moved up and the way to move up would be, okay, you're in Ohio. We got to move you to Denver. We got to move to Chicago. I got to move back to Denver. And yeah. they would like, okay, if that's what we're going to do. And so I think that, and then my mom's like the strongest human I know. And she's just like, I'll pick up and learn how to do this. And super tough uh, on me growing up in a good way. And I think mm -hmm. that all of that kind of like instilled this um, perspective that I wanted to do it on my own and figure it out. And honestly, the love of like basketball and making stuff just kind of like overrided. But to your point about uh, how you can take that perspective from a writer and necessarily look at like, the evolution of it into mm -hmm. other aspects of the business. I think like there's a lot that can be said from, I think in general, like part of my career is like solving problems. And the other part I think is like looking for opportunity where others have missed it and try to take advantage of it. And mm -hmm. I looked at this world of like dime and slam is like, and I've, I've done this a couple aspects of like, you guys get insane access with, with guys that like brands pay millions to get, you get like <laughs> unfettered access to them. Mm -hmm. And you have these guys and you, and we all kind of read the same things. Like it's the same feature stores, it's the same Q and A's. We're doing sure. the same thing with the same amount of time with the same people <laughs> until the end of time. And they get older and then another 20 year old takes their place. Like there has <laughs> to be a different way of utilizing why you're good at that. And so I, I looked at it like, okay, a writer, I'm really good at like coming up with insights and stories to like hook in an audience for this, for this story and to interview this athlete to get him to talk or her to talk about, you know, something interesting. Well, why can't I take that same skill, evolve it into something? Cause those, those insights, that's what, you know, an audience is going to connect with new balance in the same respect. They're going to connect with a feature story about Jamal Murray and slam how, mm -hmm. you know, and so that to me, that's just, a, it's just telling a story different mm -hmm. and whether that's a movie or a commercial or a, you know, a feature story in a magazine, the podcast. whole thing is, yeah, a podcast, right. You're telling a story. That's what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, that's all it is. You're just evolving how you tell that story into different mediums. And 
I, d- I just don't really like being put into a box so you can only do one thing. I don't think that way. And I don't think people do either. I just mm-hmm. think we get settled into a certain way and then we think we can't do something. But I've, I've great friends who are amazing beat writers and amazing uh, feature writers. And they've also poked their heads. They're like, oh, could I learn how to write a 30-second script? Like, yeah, I can't teach you surgery, but I can 100% teach you how to take your insights and put that into 30 seconds, 100%. Yeah. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, church service on a Monday. Let's go. Now that is gold right there, my friend. Holy smokes. I Yep. That is straight church right there. I agree 100%. And really like, I never really viewed it as that, but I've realized so much that basically life is storytelling. How we connect with people, we it's because we hear their stories. Like my friends from that I've known the longest, I know all their stories. That's why we're connected, you know? And you're bringing something in where it's people that weren't tangible to us when we were kids that are now tangible and we can know even more if they want to yeah. share it. But yeah, so that's kind of the key. That was the secret sauce for you in terms of like, this is what I think it's missing. Yeah, and I mean, li- listening a lot, like to, I think like I I listen to, when I'm writing, I'm listening to interviews of creative people. I read comments, like I'm I'm obsessive and I have been since a kid with, everything that surrounds this world, you know? Mm. And so I'm always trying to keep a pulse. I also have no like reverence to the things I make. Like I'm not married to say I can move it and change it. I think that's Mm. what culture does. It keeps evolving and I'm really comfortable doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's being able to take your skills and just kind of like evolve them to the moment. And like similar to a podcast, like you're getting, you're gaining insights from people, which in that you're learning a lot about your audience and you probably see what uh, episodes do better to others. And sometimes there's a headline theory, right? Where like a guest is going to get a certain amount of views that drop off. But ultimately, like if people are coming there to learn and get a message, then I think you can take that even beyond a podcast and you can turn that into something that uh, companies are looking for and are actionable because, you know, ultimately you got to look out for yourself and like keep building a career. But this was, uh, yeah, I think my, we, I'll send you my it, resume and application. There we go. Yeah. And we just, we, we noticed the world that was like, there were a lot of opportunities in this and they felt like they weren't even really listening to the athletes or the audience themselves. Mm. They were just kind of making selfish creative work from people who had a passing interest in sports for an audience who like demands that you're authentic to them. Like, I don't, you know, this is an idiom or idiom that like, you know, Trent Scott and the guys directly will love that I use all the time. But like, I, you know, I don't have to use Tide dishwasher, you know, pods my entire life to like write an effective campaign on like washing your dishes. Right. But like, <laughs> if I'm talking about a basketball player, I'm talking about a soccer to a soccer kid in England, or, you know, I'm, I'm talking about these things. I better know what I'm talking about. Cause you're going to immediately, you're going to immediately feel that when you see it, if the, mm-hmm. whenever you watch something on basketball, you can probably tell, when the actors or the writer or the director did not know anything about basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you look mm-hmm. at, if you take that same thing to a connective base uh, in marketing, like how am I supposed to connect with a product or a service that they want me to monetarily or actively connect with? If I feel from the jump, they're not being authentic to me. And so we just felt like, okay, well, there's nobody in this world that like has realized that from like a creative aspect. I think there are some really good companies that do stuff. We just noticed that in the companies we were in, there's hundreds of people and the amount of people that actually knew sports more than just like who won last night were really minuscule. 
Mm. Uh, and so that's, we just kind of continue to try to come, come down on that and try to double down and like help build solutions that audiences are impacted by and interested in brands that in the space are, are uh, excited and like brave to go jump and do kind of like more fearless work in the space. And then like athletes are feel like they have a voice and they can collab with. And so we're all former athletes and we're, we work really well with them to show them that their their story is worth telling how they want to, you know, as well. What can we say about the people at Parkside, especially our guy, Sam Payne, a huge supporter of basketball in our community. The gentleman does many things behind the scenes that people don't know about. And one of those is supporting our podcast from literally day one. Sam reached out to us and said, hey, I like what you're doing. How do we get involved? And what you can do is find them at any local government store or come down to the brewery, sit on the patio, sit in the back, listen to the music, come for music trivia night, whatever it is. The wide variety of beer that they offer is second to none. And Port Moody in the Brewer's Row is a great place to be. We are so appreciative of Parkside Brewery, we can't even say it in enough words. Head down, we hope to see you Parkside. And if you can't, find a way to support because they do a lot for us. Cheers. You talk about like the risk and all that, like who would have thought a group of people would be willing to push New Balance? You know what I mean? Like not in a bad, I'm just saying like 20 years ago, if you would have said, try to think like, we're going to have a guy like Kawhi and he's going to be a New Balance dude. People would have laughed you right out the freaking door, man. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, that was, I think that was kind of like, that's like one of the things I'm most proud of is being a, you know, us being a part of, of the Kawhi thing. And like, you're not wrong. I think that was, was interesting. So, you know, Pat Cassidy, he had started dime with some friends and then he had moved on to new balance and uh, he was doing some, some magic over there. And he kind of, at the beginning of rec league, we were figuring out what this was. We had done a couple of things with slam. We had done some short films on the side and he was kind of the first real big believer to be like, you know, how do you, what do you think about New Balance and how do you guys see it? And he was just like, they were very honest and very mm-hmm. self-aware at where they were in 2018 and uh, and really open to um, like our ideas and strategy and feedback to stuff. And so it became, it kind of became this very organic um, relationship where I think self-awareness became a superpower for them. And you take Kawhi, it's a really interesting um interesting guy where he had a lot of fans fans didn't Mm. necessarily know even why they liked him (laughs) brands certainly didn't know why fans liked them (laughs) and we knew that and we knew like okay so gatorades or uh, jordan like these brands are trying to use him like lebron and when he got he signed with new balance you know we're taking at the time i still think it is it's the hardest vertical in sports to jump into is american basketball is dominated by one company uh, up in Portland and then the other company up in Portland's right there too. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're jumping to a table already that you're saying, okay, Matt Bonner, James Worthy, you know, 30 years ago wore this thing, but how do we, how do we like immediately gain authenticity that we not only have a seat to the table, but we have a voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Perfect so we, guy. Perfect guy. Yeah. Well, we dug into it and we're like, okay, it, what we came back with was we thought everyone had used him wrong. He said, not that he's not out there because people go, he's not marketable. I'm like, well, you think he's not marketable. I think he's awesome. And so do a lot of people, which is why kids are wearing his jersey to the game. Like you tell me any person that kids are wearing their jersey to the game is not marketable. 
Like, I, I don't believe you. I, I, we can make anyone marketable. Why do mm-hmm. his fans like him? That's uh, cause he's himself. Like he is fiercely himself and he cares about basketball and he's got an F you mentality. He's just not going to, not yeah. going to get on a podium and have to say it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. There's like a quiet cockiness and confidence to that. So we just kind of use that as like, all right, well, we're going to be the brand that lets him be himself and say, we're going to get the whole world talking without our guy ever having to say a word. Mm-hmm. And that was the brief, you know, that we pushed back to the inbounds was like, how do we get everyone talking without our guy saying anything? And, uh, <laughs> and it ended up, you know, kind of doing that. We had a few, you know, cam- campaigns. I want to say that, uh, Shannon and skip are still arguing about, uh, on TV, you know, about he, you know, I think one of those, the, where he, you know, came to LA, we had this rain over LA thing with some very subtle shots at like LeBron and other guys throughout this thing. And not everybody catches them. You know, it's big yeah. Easter eggy, but, um, yeah, they went out and they beat the Lakers on that opening night when that thing dropped. And then, you know, I think that was, that was huge for new balance. That was huge for us. And, and, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's a, we use that for a lot of younger people. And, and also it's like a case study for brands. on like, this is what it means to be like fearless work. It's not going insane. It's just like, what does your audience want? How can you have a, a better POV on it? One thing that sticks out is the ability for that, that boss to come in and just say, like, just candidly be like, tell us exactly what you think. Don't hold back. What, where oh, yeah. do you view this? What do you think of New Balance? And, what, and just to have that non-ego and just know that I might not really enjoy everything I hear, but it's going to make us better in the long run. Not a lot of people have that. And and then as, no, no. as, and to be able to like that instantly you go, Oh wow. Okay. Well, this is someone I can work with because we can have candid conversation because we're all trying to strive towards the same thing here. Yeah. I mean, and they're, they're amazing. Like yeah. the, in their entire team, uh, Sean, Des, Nigel, Chris, like Fitz, these guys uh, and girls over there are amazing partners and like they're, very secure with themselves. And like, it's a very insecure yeah. industry where everyone feels yeah. like they have to have their fingerprints on every single thing. Like they're so open with like, what's the best thing. And, uh, and it's been an amazing, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing partnership with them. And, uh, and you know, they've been skyrocketing up obviously the last couple of years, but, um, yeah, no, no, that's, it's, it's cool. It's been, it's been cool to watch him. And now Kawhi's playing more. So yeah, there healthy. you go. Yeah, it's great. But now they got Jamal, they got Zach Levine, they got Dejounte, Darius, Aaron Naismith. Uh, it's a it's a cool. Uh, and they just signed Tyrese Maxey. So got Canadian. Cool they got, got a, in there. You got a Pacific Northwesterner and Levine. Come on, man. You know. Well, you almost- know, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm a big Jamal guy for many reasons. He's he's the best. So I'm. Uh, I'm go Canada. He's a good dude. Alone. He's the best. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's super collaborative, super yeah. nice, um, and he's excited about doing stuff. And yeah. like that, having a willing partner who's like down to collab and like, he's like, maybe this line doesn't work, but what do you think about this? And we're, we're like, so down to just whatever makes this thing the best. Like, sure. and that's been fun. Whenever guys get really into it, uh, it's cool. Like we shot with Sabrina Unescu, who, you know, very non-subtly was, you know, we we're dropping a lot of go ducks that day. Same thing. She was like, you know what? I don't know if I would necessarily shoot it here. What if we shot it over here. And I said, this line, and we're like, yeah, it works great. That ended up being in the final film. Um, mm. and so it's, it's not lip service to just, uh, tell athletes that they're collaborators. You got to follow through and like, sure. they got to be excited about making work. Um, and a guy like Jamal is, is awesome. I mean, we did a whole campaign with him. This is how cool Jamal is. So we had a campaign with him for a new shoe. Uh, the shoe didn't show up for the shoot. 
So there's a miscommunication in mail. This is during the time where like, you know, every brand's like, hey, we got a global supply issue chain going on. Sure. Yeah. And so we show up in Denver. Uh, It's like, so I'm like, this is already like the, you know, uh, this weird mix of my life. Like, I'm like, you know, this is showing all these guys directly, the production, like, yeah, I grew up over here. And then uh, we're with Jamal Murray. He's like, you know, he's in his middle of his recovery and the shoes aren't there. And we got to film a commercial. So, you know, him and I and and, uh, the New Balance guys just kind of on set came up with this whole idea about, well, let's pitch the shoe without the shoe. And so we pitched this whole campaign and Jamal pretended like, you know, there's supposed to be a shoe in my hand right now, but because of this global supply issue, we can't show it to you, but you got to trust us on it. It's going to be fresh. And that, and we just kind of filmed this and it ended up, New Balance ended up loving it. Uh, Chris Davis and the leadership team over there loved it. And it ended up becoming a really big post and video for them around the holidays. Uh, and it was all about how they couldn't even get their athletes the gear because it was so fresh, you know, we couldn't get it in time. And that, that ability to do that and not uh, get upset on the day from an athlete perspective and from a brand perspective is sure. makes some pretty special, you know, uh, collaborators. Yeah. That could have gone sideways in a hurry if it was the wrong human, you know? Oh yeah. It, if yeah. anyone got upset about it, it would have gone sideways, but you got to yeah. just like roll with punches. Sure. Always. Love it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so now what, what, what's, what's a, before we have some fun questions and get you back to your work day, what's a day like for you? You know, what, what's the regular routine and what's keeping you going? I mean, obviously rec league, we're going to continue to push, but you know, how, how do you get through your nine to five, even though you don't have a nine to five, it's, uh, I mean, I st- it's whatever it's, you decide. I, st- I still play a lot. Uh, I know mm-hmm. we mentioned there, but I would say that that's actually been funny enough. We, we talked a little bit this, uh, offline, but, mm-hmm. uh, Work in LA has been networking uh, through basketball and then work through basketball. And, uh, you know, I've played in a ton of leagues out here. The the rec league just started our first like uh, rec team. That's why you don't shoot as Uh, much anymore. You're like, I got to swing it to this guy so I can get this contract. I see you. Listen, man, I got just a pretty face. I got two good GM comments this week. So from our uh, first dub last week. So I, I've been wearing that, uh, <laughs> that banner proudly. So that's been great. Uh, and doing that with, uh, my co-founder Trent Eubin. Um, uh, and, uh, we just been kind of, yeah, GM and with some, some buddies and guys in the industry and stuff. So that's been pretty fun, but yeah, I would say I still play a lot throughout LA. Like that's been a really, really great way to meet good people, um, and good players uh, throughout, like had some insane stories just from that alone, like over the years and these, these interesting leagues. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, you know, uh, hanging out, it's, it's, uh, it's been nice. Like the pandemic uh, in one respect was my, you know, my wife now works from home. So that's been really awesome where, you know, I was out so much with work and then starting mm-hmm. the business uh, back in 2018, that it really allowed us to kind of just like focus a work day together. That was awesome. But uh, for anyone that knows me well, I spend most of my day uh, hanging out and discussing my uh, dog, Mac. So that's uh, pretty much just hanging out with him if I'm not working. That's it, eh? And are we still enjoying having the wife working at home? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's okay. the best. Yeah, yeah. So I, I met her. Well, uh, her. Yeah. Yeah, I met her as I was leaving college. So we've been uh, we've been together since uh, about 2009. So she's not sick of me yet, uh, which is great. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll, hope, we'll hope to stay on that side. Well, even if, I mean... If she's listened to us ramble this long, well, then you got some brownie points coming because you've mentioned her in a good way. So yeah. she'll listen for you. She's heard yes. uh, me, me ramble on too much. Yeah. 
I agree on the future too, by the way. Mrs. Jensen or Miss Jensen, whatever we go by here. Too Miss. much future is bad for the system, but that's okay. We'll talk about it here. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, in reference to... Uh, yeah, on your uh, website. Yeah, big uh, big fan of uh, future. So my brother's actually, he uh, he's an A&R uh, project artist manager uh, in hip hop. So no way. He, uh, he keeps me laced up with the, uh, the, the latest and greatest and stuff. And I'll continue to just send him uh, my favorite future tracks uh, every day instead. So... It's uh, <laughs> my wife uh, has a strict no future Playboy Cardi rule in the house, which honestly sucks. So, you know, you can't win them all. Can't win them all. Uh, and this is why you have to spend a lot of time with your dog, buddy. Um, yeah. Amen. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Books or movies? Uh, movies for sure. Okay. Is something you recall recently or what are some all timers? You take it however you want. What do we got? So movies, I would say as a side to basketball, I've really ever wanted to do is make movies. And so, you know, uh, being a director now and writer, like it's how fun is that? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm learning every day. Like I I named them earlier, but I've learned a lot, uh, from, from Trent and a couple other buddies uh, who were directors when I was a writer at these other agencies, I would just kind of sit next to them on set and really like learn. And, you know, I've consumed as many movies as I can um, kind of similar to, to Aaron Phillips, who's obviously mm-hmm. killing it at RTG, but um, I'm, I've been trying to take my uh, wife through more of my favorite directors. So that's been our new thing lately. So uh, okay. right now we're on a uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, who's awesome. He did Arrival, Sicario. So we just showed her that. I think she needs like a couple weeks between Sicario and the next one. But uh, we got Dune and Blade Runner left for her. But uh, nice. all time, yeah, all time. I mean, I'm a big P.T. Anderson fan. I love Boogie Nights. It's probably my favorite movie. Uh, Hell or High Water, Whiplash, White Men Can't Jump's amazing. But I'm kind of all over the board, but um, follow a lot of directors. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you follow the director. Yeah. All right. Boogie Nights, what a drop. Wow. Amazing, amazing film. Yeah. He, uh, PT Anderson's amazing, uh, in general. And I watched Jordan Peele's great. I watched a lot of the Daniels. Uh, Chloe Zhao had some, uh, you know, an awesome film, Nomad Land, a couple years ago. Ari Aster's great. There's a lot of like, I think the age of streaming has brought with it so many opportunities for like younger filmmakers to jump in with ideas. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, as somebody who wants to, make more in that world. Uh, it's really exciting that it feels like there are opportunities out there for, um, unique thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. And so one of those movie nights, uh, after a good run of hoops, you build up the appetite, you go to grab a bag of chips. What are we getting? Chips. I saw this question. Greatest chip. I'm going to say it's the 2022, 23 NBA championship, uh, which will be going to the Denver nuggets. That'll be, oh, uh, wow. People. There we go. That's my favorite chip. Uh, otherwise not a big chips guy. I do eat an obscene amount of acai bowls, but, uh, not a big chips guy, but I would say that'd be the best chip. Wouldn't it? When Jamal and Jokic are just holding that Larry, will you cry real high? Uh, Oh, I mean, maybe in, in solitude, but my brother and I will definitely, it'll be awesome. I mean, it's been a, it's been a, a thing that we've always connected with, uh, together. I think we have like a running, group chat where we have the same exact conversation every single every game night. 
So that's pretty funny. <laughs> and we're all like, we're the best GMs in our mind, by the way. But we're we're super positive in general. Like not, mm-hmm. and I think that's been nice to like, uh, my brother's a really positive fan too. So we're all just, you know, very excited. But it's a nice like escape from work. And stuff totally. to just kind of watch. Mean, you know, Nuggets, not many super bright days. So you got to enjoy it while you got it. And you get to watch, I mean, Jamal's unreal, but you get to watch the Joker. Like that guy is... He's the he's, he's a unicorn the best, man. He's the best player in the world, no question. Yeah, it's uh, he's unbelievable to watch. It's uh, the little things. I, I think we talked about this last time, but I think mm-hmm. there's an overall drop in just like basketball fan, uh, not necessarily intelligence, very intelligent fans, but like understanding of how the game works. I, you know, I'm not sure that basketball fans are learning a lot when they're tuning into an NBA game. Um, mm-hmm. I think that opportunity to teach them more about the game exists. But if, you know, I, I think too, like it's a very narrative and lazy narrative driven world uh, about players. Once you're tagged with a certain narrative, it's hard to break that. But True. if you actually watch the games, like, like for instance, Shea, Canadian, great. Like I love watching Shea play. Mm. I think he's amazing and uh, he's absolutely a top 10 player. And there's still like, I just feel like getting people on board with that notion is still like, you know pulling teeth sometimes. I'm like this. Mm-hmm. If you watch him, no one can stay in front of him. He's six, six, he shoots, he's clutch. Uh, he's amazing. And he's like unflappable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's incredible, but yeah, to me, uh, Nicola sees the game so much differently because he's seven feet tall and he can get it into windows that no one can dream of getting it into. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool. Like Denver needed some guys like Jamal and, uh, and Jokic to that wanted to be there. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a huge market, so it's been cool to watch that team kind of organically gel and like watching Aaron Gordon and MPJ. There, it's it's been a it's been a fun year. But I watch all NBA. You know, jump into college, high school, I'm whatever is on. I'm going to watch it. Do you think it's like um, like I'm thinking of when I watch football, right? And then I hear Tony Romo talk. He teaches me so much about the game that I just yep. don't see or understand, right? What is it about the NBA is because there's so many teams and games that it's like, you know, if you're the the Bulls cast on the road, your interest is not explaining every single scenario that happens. Like, how do you, because there are, there are way more casual fans, I would say, in the NBA now, which is great. The, the game is global. It's huge. There's more people watching it, but there's less knowledge, like you said, right? Um, I guess it's probably just not a focus because they want, you know, their stars to be their stars. But I agree, there would be some interesting things like, I don't know if they go to like the, the announcers on the side and talk more. I don't know. There you go. There's well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd actually be really curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From your POV, what you think too, just being a coach and like uh, a fan it, uh, from my perspective, I, I think that it's a, it's very opinion based and that it's just the headline has won the day. And I yeah. do think it's interesting. Like I think Kyle Kuzma, we were talking, made this point on Twitter, but if you want, like to your point about Tony, if you watch football, you're going to learn about it. And that's because a large majority of the audience did not play football sure and uh basketball because uh everyone can put a hoop on their garage door or find (laughs) an open court on the street i think we've like blurred the uh fact of like just because we have the all ability to play the game doesn't mean we all know the game Mm -hmm. and highlight culture and a lot of kids really just watching the games through tiktok and instagram at this point um not actually fully being interested in the game but yeah, I mean, I think it falls a lot on uh, the broadcasters. If you if you say the media networks have to enter headlines and like the discussion analysis for those shows, that's totally fine. But when I tune into games, I would hope that 
there's more analysis for that actual game that I'm watching versus mm-hmm. like, you know, just regurgitating the same narratives of every all-star player in front of you. And often I think we tune into so many games where they're like, Oh, I've never heard of this guy. I've never seen this guy do this. And it's like, I understand that you can't watch every game, mm-hmm. but at some baseline, you should at least tell me what I'm seeing now and like why that's important to the game. And I just feel like we've lost. There are some good people that do it. I think JJ yeah. Reddick's really good. Yeah, for um, sure. I'm also biased. I've been a Reddick fan forever. Uh, I think he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you tune into Clipper games, Jim Jackson, I think is really mm-hmm. good. I think there are some local guys that are that are really good um, at the mm-hmm. level. Doris is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. There's this girl in Denver, Katie Wingy, who provides some good analysis. It's like it's not always has to be. It doesn't always have to be from the former player. But I do yeah. think that we're missing a bit of the connective tissue that makes games awesome and brings in more fans ultimately. And I think that media entities have just decided that like, that's not entertaining, um, but it, it is in football. So I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not really sure where the disconnect happens, but I think it's yeah. opinion. And yeah, I agree. Like if I'm from a coaching perspective, I prefer college just because it's more relatable. Like there's, we see zone, right? Like it's a little bit sloppier. It's not the best in the world. Like I can watch a set and go, oh yeah, that's something we can run. Whereas like in the NBA, I'm like, we don't have a seven foot one guy who can go dribble handoff into whatever. Right. But give us an idea of what Denver runs as opposed to their opponent tonight, Portland, and like why the matchup changes. Like, don't just be like, oh, the Joker is the best player in the world and Dame Dollar is going to go for 50. Right. Like to that point, I was, so I was watching the Sixers, uh, come back and beat the Nuggets the other night. Mm. And I'm watching Doc and George Nang and Embiid run the same play like six times in a row. Mm. And, you know, Nyang is like rolling, a, a basically a rolling screen around Embiid and then he's running to the other wing. And I'm just watching them do this every single time. And no one is talking about it on the broadcast. I'm like, why are they, why do they keep running this motion? Tell your, you know, or they're running this horn set. Why are they doing this? Like any little thing, or even to the fact that like the whole game changed. I don't know if you watched the game, but the first half Jokic was, I mean, absolutely controlling the entirety of the game. And Mm -hmm. so Doc Rivers moves Embiid off of guarding Jokic on the second half, which does a few things. One, he puts PJ Tucker, who's obviously undersized, but creates a new matchup. Two kind of destroys this whole narrative that only one of these guys plays defense. When when I watched the game, only one of the centers got moved off the other for defense, yeah. and it wasn't Jokic. Uh, and so, like, even talking about that and how that changed the game from like a, yeah. a just a knowledge perspective, I think is really interesting for an audience who just wants to yell and beats MVP, Jokic's MVP. Yeah. Like, give them more, even give them more ammo for that argument. I mm-hmm. think. And I think like that's where the missed opportunity lies. And I don't know if that's just like an education thing or we're just like we accidentally morphed into a world where it's really only opinion. Um, yeah. But I was like watching that. I was really curious why Doc kept running that motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would love some insight on that. Yeah. Still, personally. And also how to uh, defeat it for the next one. I'd, I think the <laughs> Michael Malone would love that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true, though. I agree. Amazing. Here we go. I knew this could have been like three hours, dude. ATO Basketball, aka ATO B-Ball, located directly at the Langley Event Center in British Columbia. This place has everything you need. I swear if you walk in and you're a hoop head, there's nothing you won't be able to find. Sale items, Jordan, Adidas, Puma, you name it. The brands are all there. 
shoes, jerseys, retro, current, Vancouver Bandits. You can even get every basketball you name. Shout out to our boy Jeff at ATOB Ball for willing to be a sponsor to us. Go check them out. Check the store. Mention us. And who knows, you might find yourself lucky. Thanks to ATOB Ball. Okay, very Canadian-based question. How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, would you like me to drop paperwork for a citizen's arrest now or after the weekend? Is this a Canadian thing? Uh, this, is good, not an Aaron, this is not an Aaron Mitchell thing. Oh, it's, I'm, it's, okay. I am anti. I am anti. Okay, good. Yeah, I feel like that's arrestable behavior. Is it on macaroni and cheese? Like is KD? This, okay. What KD is? craft Dinner? It's like boxed uh, mac and yeah, cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like what you had as a kid. Right. And, and, you know, some people say still do it, would do it. Doesn't matter what kind of macaroni. Some people say, you know, if it's grandma's or some really good macaroni with some braised beef, I'm not doing it, you know, but I just feel like you're either in or out and it's disgusting to me. So I'm glad that we're on the same page. I do yeah, bring up I the feel, cuffs. Yeah. I feel like that's some, that's some odd behavior, uh, catch my macro, but yeah, maybe it's, uh, I did not it know it's, a, it's not a Canadian. <laughs> it's put it lightly. I saw somebody on, <laughs> Twitter was it Dan Orlovsky or some say he put cucumbers in his taco and he got absolutely obliterated online, wow. rightfully. So I feel like this fits into that, into that category a little bit. Shall we move on? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, now to take, take this how you want. Do you have a best teammate or an all time teammate team? Or let's say it's you at like LA fitness. Who are the four guys you're bringing? Whatever you answered, how you feel uh, when you saw it. Oh, in uh, in playing or just in life, teammates? What do you got? You got both. Uh, I mean, pick four, pick four guys from the NBA right now who you're taking with you and you run. And if you if they're all Denver Nuggets, this show I'm hitting end on the Zoom because yeah, you're man. lying. <laughs> man, that's a good question. I mean, if if it's me and four other guys, I'm just not. It's going to be a weak link against another NBA team on on the side. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely taking Jokic because I have to for everyone I know. Uh, say current players, man. How about all time? Shea. Say, oh, yeah. all time. Uh, I mean, I, I right now in the NBA, I would take Shea for sure as one of the guard spots um, in general. I mean, I think a guy like him, or and then opposite of uh, of a guy like Jokic, somebody like Curry, who's just gonna bug the living hell out of everyone. Obviously, first off, I'm just like describing three of the five best players in the world. I think it'd be great to have him. Uh, Giannis, and we'll take Giannis. We'll do, we'll do those. Uh, what I got? Giannis, Jokic, Shea, Curry. Yeah, got so what are you, the two? Uh, I think I'm the ball boy in this scenario. And they probably <laughs> just pick four, but uh, I'll take the two. I'll, I'll let, I'll let Steph bring it up. Yeah. We'll put Shea's an undersized small forward, but I'll just, I'll, I'll play the KCP role. I'll stick in the corner and I just shoot the occasional tray. But the the occasional tray with the immediate uh, you know three point celebration. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like you're turning away while it's in the air. Still, uh, this is great. Yeah. My, so my brother and my wife and I have done this considerably. We've thought about what are all of the three point celebrations we can do. The I think the best one is like a three fan. You just kind of throw out the three and then yep. you comb your hair with it. That one is a favorite of mine. You could also you know pull the lawnmower, the three lawnmower. Okay. Uh, it's a pull yeah. start. And then that yeah. thing goes, uh, this could be all day though. We, yeah. any player wants like a new batch of three point. Do you have to stop to do the lawnmower up. or can you be getting back in transition and still pulling the lawnmower? And do you think? Oh, that's great. 
That's great. You like, got, I think you got to keep going in transition. You can't, yeah. You can't get pulled for this celebration. That's true. You got to do it in motion here. Uh, but did you see, uh, speaking of that, did you see the third grade video that went viral the other day of oh everyone doing celebrations? Here, maybe I'm maybe on an island about this, but were they, I see their like jerseys the, were like black and green. Yeah, like a little but team. I, yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like, if there's a third grade team that loves basketball this much that they're excited to play basketball, I don't care what celebrate. They're third graders. We're not like it's not Duke. We're mm-hmm. not in varsity. If that was a varsity team, I would be more like, okay, guys, let's settle down. But I'm like, this is the age where you just build why you like the thing. And my, like, my to, only concern would be like if it's anything towards the other, t- you know what I mean? Like if yeah, it's something it, that's crossing that boundary, but if you're doing yeah. the, well, obviously with my hairline, it wouldn't be doing the three through the hair, but you know, if, if we're doing the lawnmower and that you, you like the hype, Hey, that's a good, that's a good point. As long as it's not uh demonstrative to the other team, but if, this, yeah. if they're, if they're having fun emulating their players, I mean, we all did that growing sure. up, you know, sure. uh, but all time players. Uh, I mean, I was a big pistol P fan, even though, you know, he passed away when, I was, uh, I'm not sure. I was one years old, uh, yeah. big Grant Hill guy growing up, nice. big Rodman guy growing up oh, in yeah. Chicago. Um, but yeah, I watch, I watch anybody now. Yeah. Good it's a stuff. good game going on. Watch a lot of Donovan Mitchell. He's been amazing. Yeah. He has been killing it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've mentioned so many people, mentors, family. Have you missed anybody in terms of important people in your life? You got the dog, you got the wife, you've covered a lot. Is there anybody else you're thinking of? Uh, sister Grace, let's get a, let's get a shout out there. Uh, her and uh, Eric are big parts of my life uh, out here and uh, kind of my creative anchors. Really good. Uh, they in LA as well? They're in LA. Everyone moved oh, cool. to LA. Uh, so my mom lives out here, nice. um, which is great. Uh, and no, no, other than that, but I know I'd talked about other people who'd be great, but you know, a hundred 200 friends that would be incredible that work in and out of basketball. So I could definitely get you a list um, of people, but yeah, very, yeah. very blessed. A good network of, of folks that are good humans that love the game. Cool. Um, all right. Dead or alive. The artist doesn't matter. Uh, you got the best seat in the house and future is already on tour somewhere else. Who are you going to see live? You can, have well, I'm not, I'm not like. picking, I'm not picking anyone currently that I can see because I'll just, okay. I mean, you got to go see them then. Yeah, uh, right. I, you know, I think the not even cliche answers. Obviously, like I would imagine, most people say the Beatles. My dad was an enormous Paul McCartney fan, and my brother and I uh, go to every Paul McCartney tour that he goes on still in, in nice. his honor. So that's been pretty cool. But how is he? I would uh, he's amazing. Still, he's still good. Hey, yeah. yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, cool. I mean, I'm incredibly biased to it, but he's uh, it's an amazing show. But I would say. Uh, you know, not huge in the basketball world, but uh, I would say Oasis would be. I like. I want to go see them. They're live. Want, I'm never going to see them. Sh- you want to throw a shoe at them and see if you can get them pissed I off? Mean, or yeah, they hate each other. I, I'm like, <laughs> no, Liam, just for me, get together. Let's do this thing. But that, Wonder, that would be Wonderwall, low key banger. That's a low key banger, yeah, right Oasis, there. Oasis, go after this. Go listen to some Oasis. They got you, some. Oh, Champagne some Supernova. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So I listen. Wow. I listen to. I listen to a lot of Allison Chains. Uh, my my guys will love that. Uh, so, but I, I listen to everything. I listen to a lot of hip hop. I listen to a lot of new hip hop. I'm like, I've I've cycled through everything, but. You, I would you say those dr- bands. You have Dreamville there. on uh, the Rec League website. Do you know Jid? J-I-D? Of, co- of course. Not personally. I, he's yeah, great, no. though. Yeah, so, I just but went, yeah, we're... Uh, you, I just you went saw him last week. 
Oh, amazing. Yeah. Like four kids from my basketball team were there. (laughs) We, uh, our guy, uh, he put on a show. It was great. He's great. The whole Dreamville, uh, group is amazing. We, uh, we're we're buddies with a a handful of those guys. And, uh, I've really good friends with this guy. Boss who's one of their artists. He's amazing. Uh, got to hoop with J Cole a couple of times, uh, in LA. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Dreamville's, uh, they're killing it. Yeah, they are for sure. Um, I just, I was worried the, the venue that it was in, I was like, cause he's such a fast rapper and stuff. I was like, is he going to come across? Like, how's he going to sound? And he was great. It was awesome. It was so good. I was really, really, really impressed with him. Yeah, That's cool. it was good. Um, and then the Jizza was here on the Friday, but I was like, I couldn't justify to my wife going to like a concert on a Tuesday and a Friday with like two league games and an eight o'clock practice in between. Right. So yeah. 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 You're, uh... Oasis. You, I think 102 episodes. I don't know if anyone's mentioned Oasis. So there you go. Oasis, Allison Chains, and uh, and anyone else that's touring now, I'll I'll find a way to go see. <laughs> cool. Okay. Last question for you, and you got to help us do this. Who do you want to see on a hoops journey that you think's got a great story? Um, you know, through the game of basketball, that would just be fun fun to uh, connect with. Uh, I mean, there's there's like. I don't want to leave people yeah, out. There's begin? so many. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of those new balance guys that I'd mentioned uh, are amazing. Um, this guy, Mike Ojo works with us is amazing. Uh, just finished 10 years of pro career and is a photographer writer. Now, um, this guy's Austin Mills, Frankie Delgado. So played pro and then became a photographer writer. Yep. That's yep. dope. Just, just finished playing pro. Yeah. He's That's amazing. Cool. And a really good played, uh, played at Lehigh with CJ McCollum and he's, uh, He's, he's an awesome and a great just perspective and a great dude. Uh, That's cool. It's got John Pastoric, uh, works for the Lakers. is awesome. Dave McMiniman, uh, writer for ESPN. He's, he's incredible. Um, yeah, a bunch of buddies, Nick O'Hare in Denver, uh, one of the Nuggets guys. I mean, there's, there's a, uh, there's a bunch of friends from a bunch of different corners of the industry that could provide yeah. really interesting perspectives because, you know, there's 17 slots on each team to play. There's the coaching staff, but there are so many people in and around this world that help push the culture of basketball and sport uh, further that people don't know are even an option for something that they can get into. So I think what you're doing is awesome, providing a perspective from uh, every kind of part of that landscape. And it's really cool because similar to those, uh, the lawnmower three celebration to writers, to coaches and, and players, like, the love of the game needs to keep building for the sport to keep growing. And, and uh, all this stuff helps to, to kind of add into that. So for sure. Yeah. Appreciate that. And yet I say all the time, if you're good to the game, the game will be good back. Like if you treat it well, it'll treat you back. So um, any last reflections and we appreciate your time today. It was awesome to get, you know, it's been a, we last recorded like December 14th, just before I took our team to Maui. Um, so it's good to get back into it. I've missed it and it's been great, really refreshing to chop it up and, uh, and get to know you a bit more. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would just like to say that, uh, to my friend, Ryan Knudsen, that I can still dunk. You cannot. And, uh, that's all I wanted to to leave it with. So we should just hit it with the outro music. Now <laughs> Corbs, take care of that. Ryan, send us a video clip on Instagram of you dunking, man. Come on. Cause there you've been go. called out here, buddy. You've been called oh, it's, out. It's, it, it's on there. Hi jumper. The... Not you. I'm talking to Ryan. Oh, Ryan, he can't dunk. That's the that's what I want to leave you with. There's uh, this man for years can't dunk, but it pains him that I still can. I'll leave you on that. You're doing a great service. Keep up this podcast. Uh, it's been awesome. Great job. 102 episodes. We've never had one 
ended with shots fired like that. Ryan, I'm sorry, but we're keeping it in. You've been called <laughs> out, my man. An amazing episode. Aaron was right. Uh, a great guy. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you for you know sharing your story and letting people know what hard work looks like and that if you're a good person and continue to grind, the good things will happen. Continued success for you and your company and the people that you're around. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. We're up in the Pacific Northwest. You know, look us up if you ever make it up here again, man. Uh, we got some cold beer on us if uh, if you do. Likewise, sir. Keep going. I uh, really appreciate it. And, and uh, let's come down to LA and we'll hit the Venice Beach courts or something and, and run a couple. Actually, might. Oh, I just got a knee injection on Friday. But um, coming down, my wife's got a thing in San Diego. We're going to come down with the fam and we were talking about we uh, making our way up to LA. So I'll definitely let you know if we do that. Done. Right on. If you're still rolling with us, thank you. That was a great one. And we will see you on the next episode.